let's welcome Pastor Kevin to the stage. Hey, thank you, Stephen. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, a couple quick things. Uh, first off, some of you may not know this, but uh, you guys are able to now, um, if you miss a Sunday, we don't want you to miss a Sunday, but life happens and trips happen and things happen. If you miss a Sunday, you can now catch up with the messages at our website, um, uh, hopechurchgulfcoast.com, and there's a tab there for sermons. You can click on that and, and choose the Spotify link, and it'll take you to our Spotify page. You don't need to have Spotify to listen, but it's a way for you to stay connected to where we've been and what's been going on. Also, um, the Diamond Head Small Group has just started a brand new study uh, on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m., at Tom and T. Bayless's home in Diamond Head, and it's, it's called Life. It's an incredible study. It'll take a number of weeks. They just started it. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can reach out to Tom or T. Bayless or let any of the staff know, and we'll get you connected to them. Don't, don't forget that you can follow along with my notes on Loop if you have that on your phone. Relationships are the only thing that really ultimately matters in our lives. Well, Kevin, how do you know that? Why do you believe that? Let, let me tell you how and why. Uh, I, I've had the privilege and the opportunity to sit in hospital rooms with people as they pass, get ready to pass away. I've been in homes with people as they get ready to die and take their last breath. And I've never heard them talk about regret about a vacation they did or didn't take. I never heard them talk with great memories and fondness about what they did in their career for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I never heard them talk about a car that they drove or a home that they lived in. But I have heard them talk about the relationships that they had in their life. Relationships that maybe brought incredible value to them and that they were grateful for and thankful for and it mattered so much to them. And maybe some relationships that they regret not bringing healing to. A son, a daughter, a spouse, an ex-spouse, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker. And I, I, I've heard them filled with regret and remorse because they didn't deal in the tough work of relationships. And let's just be honest, some relationships in our life bring us great joy, don't they? They bring us smiles and laughter and great memories, and we, we make memories together. And it's, it's all just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. Some relationships are extremely helpful and fulfilling and give us joy and, and, and bring just fulfillment to our life. And then they all of a sudden fall apart in the scars that that can leave. They're pretty deep. They can be hard to deal with. I mean, maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it's a relationship that ended in divorce, but you still have, need to have a relationship with this person because there's kids involved. Or maybe it's your spouse that you've been married to for a little while, and, and it's turned into more of a roommate situation. And you go, Where, where's the passion? Where's the love? Where's it gone? And you just, it, it just feels like I, I, I can't walk through this. This series that we're starting today, we're going to take a look at some different relationships. And, and here's the hard part. 
We think that they're sturdy, and we think that they're healthy, and we think that they're life-giving, and we think that they matter, and that everything is okay, and that we can depend on them. And then one day we realize how fragile they are. And before long, they just break. And we're left trying to pick up the pieces of a relationship that just feels lost. Feels like we can't get it back. We can't put it back together. We don't know where the pieces go. We don't know how and where to even start. Today we're starting a relationship called Restored for the next three weeks. And really this is what it is. It's one long message that I've just broken into three weeks because it was so long. But we're going to take a look at relationships that, that God wants us to have. We're going to talk about how do, I, how do I restore my relationship. And ultimately, we want our relationship with God to be restored if it's broken. But as followers of Jesus, we should be experts. As I break equipment. We should be experts at restoring relationships because we've experienced the greatest restoration possible through what Jesus did for us. Would you take a look at this video with me this morning? Kintsugi. It means golden joinery. It's the practice of mending broken objects, mainly pottery, with lacquered gold. The origin of kintsugi allegedly comes from a Japanese shogun, Ashikaga Yoshimasa, who wished to repair a broken Chinese tea bowl in a way that would be aesthetically pleasing. Kintsugi encapsulates two Japanese philosophies. The first is wabi-sabi, which embraces imperfection and impermanence. The breaking and then repairing of an object is simply an event in its life that adds to both its character and beauty. As Richard Powell says, nothing lasts, nothing is finished, and nothing is perfect. There is also Mushin, which explores non-attachment and acceptance of change. The changes we undergo throughout our lives, the breaks and knockbacks, are shown in our scars, blemishes, and wrinkled skin. Objects too are subject to the same changes, and through Kintsugi are repaired in gold to illuminate their breaking points. Which, like wrinkled skin, adds wisdom and fortitude. Japan finds beauty in the weathered and the dutifully used, and values the appreciation of transience. Mono no awa, literally the pathos of things, is the Japanese term for this, combining transience and wistfulness for both objects and the state of life in general. This is seen most famously in Japan's fascination with cherry blossoms, so often seen in anime and Japanese films as their leaves fall after only one week. Kintsugi is the marriage of both these ideas. You might be sitting here today going, I have a relationship that, that is so far broken and so far gone with someone that matters to me, and I don't know how in the world it can be restored. I, I don't know how in the world it can be put back together. Here's the good news. Our God is in the business 
of restoring relationships. That he, there's, there is no relationship so far gone that he can't restore. In fact, that, that's what the story of the Bible is all about, right? From Genesis to Revelation, it's the story of God restoring the relationship that he so desired with mankind and sin got in the way, and he had to send Jesus. Jesus willingly came, and we're going to take a look at a passage that talks about that today, willingly came for us so that our relationship with God could be restored. That's what the Bible is all about, no matter what we are reading in the midst of it. And so we're going to talk about in this series over these next handful of weeks, how do we go about restoring relationships that feel broken? But before I, before I do, before we get into it, I want to give you just three real quick disclaimers as we, uh, as we talk about this for a few minutes this morning. And, and I'm just going to lay these out here because they're, they're important. Number one is this. Not every relationship can be restored. You can do everything humanly possible, you, you can sacrifice, you can forgive, you can reach out, you can do everything that you want to to restore that relationship that's valuable, that's important, that matters to you, but it takes two people to tango, right? It takes two people, and if you're the only one doing the reaching out and the forgiving and the sacrificing, that relationship probably is not going to be restored. The second disclaimer is this, not every relationship should continue. Well, Kevin, what do you mean by that? Let me just say it this way. There are some relationships that aren't healthy and they don't need to continue. If you read through God's word, you will see that God even put boundaries on relationships for for our good, for our safety. Because there are people in our life that that will use our big heart and our desire for restoration and they will manipulate it and they might try to control it and in some cases they may even take that and abuse it. And so there are some relationships that that as much as God is about restoration, these relationships are not healthy and they don't need to continue. And here's the third disclaimer, and this is the biggest one of all, for all of us in this room that have said, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. If you are a follower of Jesus, restoration is always the objective for a Jesus follower. In every relationship that matters to you, in every relationship that's important to me, that restoration should be our objective, it should be the thing that we desire, it should be the thing that we go towards. I think just sometimes we give up too quick. Well, Kevin, it's not really working out. I don't know that she loves me anymore. I, I don't know that he cares about me anymore. I, I don't know that they're worth having as a friend because they, they said some things about me that aren't true, and now all this thing is going on. They've posted something on social media. I, I just don't know if I can be their friend anymore. And we just kind of give up. I want you just to think with me for a moment about your relationship with your heavenly Father, if you're a follower of Jesus. We know what it's like to have a restored relationship, right? Because without Jesus, without him stepping into that, into that gap, there, there's no relationship with God. We're, we're not here right now. We're not here on this Sunday morning at the beginning of February together worshiping and reading. His, there, there is no relationship, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you know everything of what a restored relationship feels like. 
And here's the struggle why we have a hard time sometimes restoring or being even open to restoring relationships with the people around us and the people that used to matter to us or maybe still do matter to us. Here's one of the struggles when we think about restoration. We think, who's more right and who's more wrong? And that's how we weigh how the restoration is going to go down, right? But they're going to have to come to me first. They're going to have to apologize. It may even involve them getting on their knees, right, and and asking for my forgiveness. Because they were wrong and I am right. And we hold that up and we parade it around and we wear T-shirts with it. Not really, but you you understand what I... Because it's, I'm right, they're wrong. I have 20% of the blame, they have 80%. And so we go to try to restore relationships, and wow, it doesn't seem to work, and it doesn't seem to happen the way that we should, because we think this is the way that it should go down. And then I look in the mirror, and I look at myself, a rebellious sinner with a hard heart, and I think about a God that restored relationship with me. And believe me, I was 100% at fault. And guess what? So were you. 100%. It wasn't like, God, you have 5% ownership of this, this relationship crack and I've got 95. No, it's 100 to zero. It's rare in relationships that all the fault is one person. We like to think it is, but, it, but, it's, but in, in this relationship, I, I look and I, and I look at a, a God who is holy and righteous and perfect, and to do what he went to do to restore a relationship with me is almost unthinkable. He died for me, and he died for you, and it wasn't just that he died for us. It's the way that he died. It's what he went through. I want to take you to 1 John chapter 3, and I, I, I think... This whole idea of restoration is summed up in this one verse, and we're going to look at a, a longer passage in Matthew 27 in a few minutes. But, but I want to just kind of focus in on 1 John 3.16 right now, and I'm going to do it line by line just because I think it allows us to kind of get the full impact of this whole verse. So it starts out and it says, we know what real love is. But what's the implication there? That we have a hard time sometimes defining what love is, Right? It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. I think the theologians of Boston said it was more than a feeling. Um, some of you, that just tells you how old you are if you're laughing at that little joke. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not even a desire that we have. Those, those are poor definitions of what love is. It says, we know what real love is, and this is what it really is, because Jesus gave up his life for us. Love isn't how you feel about someone. It's the sacrifices you're willing to make for them. You want to know if you love your spouse, or if you love your kids, or if you love your neighbor, or if you love your parents or your siblings, run it through this filter. Does it look like Jesus' love for me? What does the Bible say about Jesus? That he laid down his life for us. And so the verse goes on and it says, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Followers of Jesus should be experts 
at restoring relationships. But can I tell you the truth? I've been in this church, at working in a local church for more years than I like to count now, um, 25 plus years. And can I tell you, people in the church are some of the worst at restoring relationships. And I have a feeling some of you have encountered that too in the past. And the type of things that make people mad at each other is unbelievable. He didn't give me the communion cup correctly. Really? I don't like the way she did her hair. Someone's sitting in my seat. Who are they and what do they think they're doing? It doesn't take long to kind of claim our seat or our row, does it? If you want to mess with some people's theology and check out their love for you and their love for God, sit in their seat one Sunday and see what happens. I just can't worship today. Someone's in my seat. I mean, I, I really. I was at a business meeting one time, and, and we, were in, um, we were in the process of changing the name of our church, and I was on staff at this church as a as a youth pastor, kind of an associate pastor. And we're in this business meeting, and people are standing up saying what they're thinking. And uh, we were taking the denominational name off the church because people didn't know what the denomination was, and it just created a lot of confusion. And our people were trying to invite others to come join us and be a part of our church community, and, but they would, get, they would get caught with the denominational name on it, and they would get these stereotypes. And so, so we were changing the name of the church, and, and the membership of the church had an opportunity to kind of voice their opinion on it, and then we voted on it. Um, and this one individual stood up who just really said, you're taking the name of God out of the church. And they, they were offended. And they, they said, I'm not, I, I, we're not going to be here if you, if you take God out of the name of the church. And, 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 I was, and people got upset, and there was accusations. And, all t- and I'm sitting there thinking, is it more important that we take God out of the name of the church or that God shows up when we gather together? Anyway, that's the whole another story. That was an, that was an interesting time. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 27, because, and this is in the midst of Jesus, he's he's already gone through the beating, he's getting ready to be crucified for our sins, and I, I just want to walk through these four or five verses with you from Matthew 27, starting in verse 27, because not only did Jesus give his life for us so that we could experience restoration with God, but it's about the way that it went about, it's pretty incredible. It says this in verse 27. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. That's referencing right there what was this, this whole passage reference a prophecy that you can find in the book of Psalms. I think it's Psalm chapter 22, where, where David just shares this prophetic word about what the Messiah was going to do. Verse 29, it says, they, they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. They placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit at him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. 
When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own, his own clothes on him again. And then they led him away to be crucified. All those things right there that Jesus went through were so that we could be restored to God, so that we could have relationship with God. If you don't believe that God's in the restoration of relationship business, you need to reread that passage and really all of Matthew chapter 27 because it talks about the great lengths that Jesus went through so that we could have a relationship with our heavenly Father, a a restoration happening. The humiliation that he went through. I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It's happened to me on the athletic field. Have you ever been spit on? It was right, yes, gross, saliva, someone else's saliva. And it's it's humiliating. It makes me want to throw punches. Uh, I mean, that was just a small piece of what Jesus endured, the humiliation for us. God, our Heavenly Father, it's, it's like... It's not like God's a heavenly father standing on the porch of the house looking at a, a kid running away going, hey, if you get your junk together, you can come back and live in this house. That, that's not the picture there is at all. It, it's more of a, a father seeing his child run away and the father chases after the child and gets down on his knees and says, please come back home. I'm gonna do everything I possibly can do so that you can have a relationship with me again. But it's got to be your choice. I really, I get this question a lot. Pastor Kevin, I want to forgive someone, but I don't know how. And I, and I, feel, I feel like they, they want a, like a five-step process to forgiveness. And, and it's, it, it's, it's not that, it's not that hard. It, it, it can be incredibly hard to forgive but it's, it's simpler than a five-step process. And here, here's what I would submit to you this morning. If we understand what we have been forgiven of, forgiving other people isn't really hard. Do you realize what you've been forgiven of? All the thoughts, all the actions, all the words, all the things that we've done that are wrong. We, we, we've been forgiven of that. We stand before a holy, righteous, loving God that offers us and has given us great forgiveness for all those things. And for us to look at another human being and not offer forgiveness is really, really hard. When you put it up against what Jesus went through on the cross for us and what we've been forgiven of. And so today, as we talk about restoring relationships, um, and, and I said this is going to be three weeks. The third week's going to, going to go about, we're going to talk about boundaries. And I know a lot of you are like, well, I'm going to miss that week because it's Mardi Gras week and kids are out of school and we're going to be gone. And yeah, I know, But do all that you can to be here unless you're physically not in the area because I, I don't want you to miss any of these things. But I want to give you just one thing today, one, one step today that you can take to begin to restore some relationships in your life that maybe are broken, that maybe are flawed, that maybe are, are hurting, that maybe aren't as they were. And remember, some relationships are unhealthy, and you don't, you don't need restoration in those. But as a follower of Jesus, restoration should always be our objective and our goal. Um, here's, here's, here's the one step. 
And I'm going to say it, and you're going to go, Kevin, that's too easy, but yet we don't do it. And there's lots of reasons why we don't. But here, here's the step. Go first. Go first. I don't feel like going first when they wrong me. Do you know what they said about me on social media? Why should I go first? Do you know what she put in the divorce papers? Why should I go first? Going first is not just setting up a coffee time with this individual and going, I hope we can get together and work things out. No, it's modeling the heart and nature of who Jesus is. Jesus went first in our relationship, right? He climbed up on the cross before we ever had a relationship with him. In fact, listen to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. We don't like to think of ourselves in this way, but listen to this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might die, or someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still, what's that word? That's talking about all of us. Kevin, I'm a good person. I bet you are. I am too some days, some times, some moments. But while we were still sinners, Christ endured the humiliation, the pain, the discomfort, the separation from his father of the cross for us. He went first. And so I just want to just tell you this today. Go first. Too often, we just sit and we wait for the other person to take a step and go, I'm not moving until they do, right? I'm not, I'm not talking to my father-in-law until he begins to show some acceptance of who I am. Or I'm not going to have a conversation with that neighbor whose dog has pooped in my yard one too many times because they owe me an apology, or, I mean, the, in the, we could use example after example. I, I'm not going to go to my boss until he admits that he's a real jerk because he throws last-minute projects in my lap and expects them to get done. Go first. It sounds easy, doesn't it? it? Sounds simple, and it is. But wow, it can be challenging when a relationship is fractured and broken to be the first one to go when there's been an offense towards you from that person. And usually there always is, usually both ways. Let me give you four things really quickly, four practical things about being first, and then we're going to pray together. How do I go about beginning to restore some relationships that need restored in my life? Let me just give you these four things really quickly. The first is this. Be the first to initiate restoration. And we just, I talked about that. It's hard. I don't want to go first. I want them to come to me. Have you ever felt that? It's quiet, so that means yes. Kevin, if you, if you would just know how they've made me feel, if you would just understand what they did to me, 
They broke my trust. They broke my heart. Go first. Be the first to initiate because we're following the example of what Christ did for us. Be the first. The second thing is this. Be the first to look past an offense. (laughs) We've all been offended by people, right? We've all been around people that have taken our relationship that we thought was sturdy and strong and healthy and it's ended up like this clay pot. But be, be the first to say, yes, you've offended me. Yes, you hurt me. But I'm going to look past that because I want to follow and imitate the actions and the attitude of my Savior. Thirdly, be the first to sacrifice Sacrifice is real when we're talking about restoration and relationships. Because here's what we tend to do. We may work out our relationship a little bit. We may get back into some some healthier dynamics in our relationship. But then something goes wrong, and what do we do? We revert to the past and go, you remember what you did, 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 did? Be the first to sacrifice and say, you're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. But I want restoration to happen, so this is what I'm going to do. And then lastly, be the first to recognize fault. Maybe you only own 20% of the the issue. Maybe what they did to you is a lot more severe than what you did to them, but be the first to recognize fault. And ask for forgiveness. Can I tell you, relationships are hard, even when they're healthy. Relationships, friendships, business relationships, marriages, relationships with our siblings, relationships with our kids. Can I tell you as a parent, and many of you know this, just when I feel like I get a handle on what parenting is, it changes and I go, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm supposed to raise these kids with my, you know, thank God Crystal has a good head on her shoulders because our kids would be ruined. Not. I mean, I realize this, this, this subject um, is hard to hear. But I, I feel a responsibility just, just to share the truth from God's word with you. And um, I want to challenge you to, to be the first person. Even when it's hard, even when it's not fair, even when they don't deserve it. Because we have a Savior that looked at our lives and looked at our hearts and looked at what we did and looked at who we are and said, I'm going to go first so that they can be restored in their relationship with God the Father. Aren't you thankful and grateful for that today? Would you close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you desired a relationship with us, that it mattered so much to you that you sent your only son to die for us. Gosh, we we, we could not earn it. We're We're not good enough. 
it wasn't something that, 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 that we earned. It was freely given to us. Jesus, you went first. You modeled this principle for us all throughout Scripture, all throughout your life on earth, even to death on a cross. And God, I know I, I, some of my friends out here today, or maybe they think about multiple relationships that, 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 are, that are broken and they're hurting and they're not the same. And there's a path to restoration. I, I, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage and the wisdom when it's time to walk it. And we would follow your example, Jesus, that we would, we would go first. We would, we, would, we would take that first step. We can't control what the other person's going to do, but we absolutely can control how we respond and what we do. And that's what we're responsible for. That's what you modeled for us. God, I know that people hurt us and people let us down and words hurt and actions hurt and betrayal hurts and so many different things can hurt us. But God, you're the great healer. You're the mender of hearts. You're the restorer of relationships. And I just ask that you would do that in this place, that we would hear stories of relationships that were broken and are now healed because you brought restoration into the picture. And we took some steps of going first and admitting our fault and admitting our wrong and working, working towards health, working towards wholeness in our relationships and our thoughts, the people that matter most to us. God, I pray right now that you just would help us, that we would handle our relationships in a way that pleases your heart and pleases who you are. And I thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, I ask this, and we agree together and say, amen. I'm going to ask our elders if they'll just make their way up to the front and with their spouses if they're available. And um, we're going to dismiss in just a couple minutes, but we want to give you a time to be prayed for. We did this last week, and um, I've already heard some stories from people. Here's why. Prayer makes a difference in our lives. Praying and asking God to do what only he can is, is a powerful, powerful thing, and we want to give you opportunity. Whatever the situation might be, physical or financial or um, whatever it may be, that you have an opportunity to be prayed for by, by one of these elders. Uh, myself and Crystal will be down here in front as well. We want to pray for you. And listen, if you don't need to come forward for prayer, that's fine. Um, but would you just close your eyes and and maybe, maybe pray or or do what you can in this moment not to distract from what's going on, but let's, let's allow God to do what he wants to in our hearts and our lives today. And listen, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want, you, you talk about, Kevin, you talked about this restoration of relationship with God. I need that. If you need that in your life today, um, the, the, one of the, the best things that you could do would be to walk forward and to talk to one of these couples, and they can walk with you um, through what that looks like and how we do that, because we've all been there and we've all done that in, in our relationship with God if we're following Jesus. And so right now, where you're at, would you just stand just to make it easy for people to come forward if they need to be prayed for? And let's, let's spend a few minutes focusing in on the Lord and allowing him to do what he wants to.
would you uh, would you do something with me as, as, as I pray to dismiss us? Would you just lift your hand up? Just as a sign of God, I, I need your help. I, I need your strength and your courage and your wisdom to handle my relationships in a way that pleases you, in a way that you are honored by. And uh, let's just let's let's recognize that today. Um, that we can't we can't do relationships the right way in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit working inside of us. So would you just lift your hand up and let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, help us. We recognize our need for you. We recognize uh, our need for your supernatural power to work in us in the midst of our relationships, the ones that are, that are going well and, and the ones that, are, that feel broken and that need restoration. God, we're dependent on you. And thank you that you, you didn't just say, okay, I, you you. You, you follow me, you live for me, you, you, I, I'm your savior, and you, you didn't just leave us alone. God, you placed your, the spirit of the living God inside of us. Your Holy Spirit's come to live in us when we made a commitment to follow you, and we have that spirit inside of us. I pray that you will help us lean into the spirit of God in our relationships so that you can be pleased and that our relationships can be healthy and, and life-giving and God-honoring. And God, where their restoration needs to happen, help us to go first. And God, you begin to do the work as we're obedient to what you're asking us to do. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you for your presence in this place today. And thank you for going first so that we can have a relationship with you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Thanks so much for being with us. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you. From the